Hi, Oddings. This is the Something Scary Podcast. I'm your Ate Sapphire. Today's episode will leave you seeing double. These are stories about doppelgangers. We'll begin with a strange encounter at a drive-thru late one night, then learn about the dangers of meeting your own double, learn how to avoid Johnny, and try to stop doppelgangers taking over at a university. I receive hundreds of amazing story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that I've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary at snarled.com. So, want to hear something scary? Night at the drive-thru. The following tale comes from Megan and is inspired by a real experience she had while working late one night. I used to work at a popular fast food chain, emphasis on the used to. I had my share of wild interactions with customers, people yelling at me, people starting fights in the eating area, but as intense as those times were, nothing was as weird and unexplainable as this one night, the night that made me quit. This particular location was open for 24 hours and I was working the overnight shift. It was just me and my manager, Stacy. Hey, I'm gonna take a nap in the break room. You got things under control, right? I trust you. And with that, I was left alone behind the counter. I was pretty sleepy myself and decided to make some hot coffee to stay awake. A few minutes later, a man and a woman who appeared to be in their 20s walked in. They were wearing dark colors and lots of layers, almost like they didn't want to attract any attention. I threw on my best smile and greeted them. Welcome, I'll help you when you're ready. They both ignored me, which was pretty standard for most customers, so I didn't take any offense. I held my smile in place as I waited for them to decide what to order. But they weren't even looking at the menu. They were sort of glancing around nervously, hands in their pockets. Oh God, I thought to myself, please don't rob me, please don't rob me, please don't rob me. I watched their hands and their faces closely, but the longer I stared at them, the less suspicious they became. They were scared. Is everything okay? The woman turned to me and smiled. Mm Mm-hmm. She then walked over to a corner booth. The man stepped up to the counter. Could I get two large coffees, please? Of course, I'm brewing a new batch right now. I can bring it over to you when it's ready. The man paid for the drinks and slid into the booth with the woman. Once the coffee was ready, I walked it over to them. As I placed them on the table, a car pulled into the parking lot. I'm not much of a car person, but it looked like it was vintage from the 50s or 60s maybe. That's a cool car, I casually commented. Is it blue? The man asked me anxiously. Uh, yeah. Instantaneously, the couple slid underneath the table. We're not here. I was so confused at this point. Maybe they actually weren't scared at all, but just on a ton of drugs, I don't know. But I went back to the counter to wait for the new customers. But they never came. I heard a car honking loudly outside. I checked our camera feeds. That blue car was waiting in the drive-thru. But we barricade the entrance at night. Do they move it out of the way? I was pretty annoyed and was about to go to the intercom to tell them that the drive-thru is closed and that they needed to come inside. But the man and woman called me over. 
Whatever you do, you can't let them inside. They've been following us for days now. Oh my God, should I call the police? No, 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 no. They won't be able to help. The people in that car, uh, there are doppelgangers. I don't understand. And we don't expect you to. Look, for whatever reason, the versions of ourselves from another dimension or whatever have found us and they're trying to replace us. Here. They handed me a small Ziploc bag filled with a mysterious substance. Whatever they order, put all of that in there. That should get rid of them for a while, long enough for us to get out of here. You guys are messing with me, right? Because that's seriously not cool. You don't need to believe us. You just need to follow our instructions, please. I'm not gonna put whatever this is in a customer's food and I don't even know who you are. Okay. Just, just take their order. If they look exactly like us, put that in their food. If not, then just leave them alone. The blue car was still honking outside. Seeing as I didn't really have much choice, I put the bag in my pocket and walked over to the intercom. I could see there were two people in the car, but the video quality wasn't clear enough to tell if they looked like the couple hiding in the booth. A man's voice ordered two large coffees. I told them to pull up to the window. I was feeling so many things in that moment. If they didn't look like the couple, then I just got pranked by a bunch of wackos in my restaurant. If they did look like the couple, I wasn't prepared for what that meant. The car pulled up and in the driver's and passenger seats were a man and a woman who looked identical to the other couple. I went to pour their coffees. I took out the bag of the unknown substance and poured it in. I'm gonna regret this, I thought to myself. I handed the altered coffees to the couple in the blue car and watched them drive away. I walked over to the couple in the booth I poured that powder in their drinks. They're gone now. And to my complete surprise, they handed me a $100 bill. And then they left. I had completely forgotten that my boss was asleep this whole time, and I went to the break room to wake her up and tell her about what had happened. Of course she didn't believe me, so she played back the security footage. We see the first couple come in, order their food, and head to the booth. We see the blue car in the drive-thru, me talking with the first couple, and me handing the doppelgangers the spiked drinks. But what we don't see is the car leaving the drive-thru. So we decide to go outside and investigate. At the entrance of the drive-thru, all of the barricades were still up. Same for the exit of the drive-thru. No sign of anyone moving them or driving over them. At this point, my manager was just as freaked out as me. We decided to close early, and I quit the next morning. I think about that night a lot. I keep trying to make sense of it. Maybe they were playing a weird prank on me, and they were two sets of twins? But then how did the car get in and out of the blocked-off drive through So, do parallel universes really exist? Are people's doppelgangers really trying to replace them? And would I ever run into mine? And now, more Something Scary. This next story is from the No Sleep subreddit from username EAPATBP. 
entitled, I met my doppelganger and she's better than me. My sister Clarissa saw her first and I thought she was messing with me. I was at home, binge-watching some show on Netflix when she walked through the front door and froze, staring at me. I glanced up at her and then back to the screen, but when she still didn't move, I looked up at her again. What? I asked. I looked at her face, which had this look on it like if someone had set the world's hardest math problem down in front of a six-year-old. How did you get here so fast? She asked finally walking towards the couch. I paused the show. What are you talking about? I asked. I just saw you walking down the street. I narrowed my eyebrows in confusion and adjusted the pillow that I was laying on. I have no idea what you're talking about. I haven't left the house today, I replied. Clarissa stared at me, but then she just shook her head and left the room, and I went back to my show. She didn't bring it up again, so I didn't think about it again, and I just continued living my life. For about a month, that is. Last week, she showed up at my front door. My goddamn front door. It was 8 a.m. on a Saturday, and I was already pretty pissed off about the fact that someone was banging on the windows that early on the weekend. I knew Clarissa wasn't going to wake up and answer the door, so I got up instead and pulled the door open in anger to reveal... me. As in, I was standing outside. It wasn't me, me, but it was like staring into a mirror. Well, a mirror of what could be, actually. I was standing inside my house in the long black t-shirt that I slept in, which had random holes all over it. My hair was piled up on top of my head, and I hadn't even washed my face yet. The person that I was looking at was a version of me that was a lot more put together The way that I look when I go out, not at 8 in the effing morning on the weekend. She, or me, or whatever, was wearing fitted plaid pants, a whole free white t-shirt, and heels. Her hair was the same length as mine, but it was brushed and curled, with two sections pinned away from her face. And she was wearing a wedding ring. What the hell? I finally whispered after a few minutes of shock. She smiled at me. Hi, I'm, well, you know, I'm you. I'm Galilea. She held her hand out, but I didn't take it. I stared at her. She cleared her throat and glanced around. Uh, I don't know if this is a good idea, meeting you and all. You know, they say it's like a bad moment or whatever to see, well, you know. I just heard it was bad luck to see your doppelganger, I guess. But I just, I, I couldn't ignore you. I mean, you're me, and sorry, I'm rambling. I just don't know what to say. She let out a very forced, nervous laugh. I didn't respond. What do you want? I asked. She took a deep breath and then scratched her nose. She was holding the car keys to a BMW in her hand. I rolled my eyes. I just wanted to get to know you. I saw you a few months ago while you were leaving a college campus. I was really shocked because you looked just like me. Or I look just like you. I don't know. Anyway, I found out who you were, which wasn't hard. I ran into a few people who thought I was you. They kept calling me Cindy. I kept working up the courage to talk to you, but I couldn't. Until now. I sighed. I was too tired for this shit, but I felt bad telling myself to leave. I decided to let her in, and she excitedly walked into the house. I didn't worry about Clarissa waking up and seeing us. 
She never woke up before noon on the weekend. We sat, and we talked for about two hours. It only took about 45 minutes to hate her, though. She was everything I wasn't. She came from an incredibly wealthy family, grew up in New York City, studied abroad in London for two years until she met her husband, Harry. They got married, and she graduated early. They had a huge fancy house about an hour from mine. Big fancy cars, big fancy everything. I hated her. I hated it more when I saw how nice and considerate she was. She even offered to pay for the rest of my studies, which I declined. I wasn't going to let the more perfect, more accomplished version of me give me pity cash. Then she had her brilliant idea. I just want to get that out of the way, all right? It was her idea. She wanted to have a baby, but she couldn't get pregnant. At first, I thought she wanted me to donate my eggs to her or something, but no. She wanted me to make love with her husband and then let them adopt the baby. She said she would pay me $500,000. I said yes. I know, I know, I know what you're thinking. But listen, that was a hell of a lot of money, and her husband was hot. So she quickly taught me how to fake being her, and five days after meeting her, we made love. That was two days ago. I knew I should have never agreed to it. I should have known better than to form a ridiculous plan with my more successful, more accomplished doppelganger. But I did it anyway, and now here we are. After Harry fell asleep, I quietly got out of bed and made my way to the back door, where she would be waiting for me, as planned. On the way down there, which took a while, the house is huge, I realized how stupid her plan was. What the hell was this? She was just going to get someone who looked just like her, pregnant, and then take the baby? How would that even work? How could she be sure that she would get my baby? It was stupid, and so was she. So, on my way to the back door, I stopped by the kitchen and grabbed a giant sharp knife. It was so easy to surprise her. I knew she would hug me, and when she did, I just stabbed her. She gasped, and I stabbed her again. The mess wasn't that big. I was able to drag her body into the car, which I then drove into the woods, where I buried her with my identification after stealing hers. I took the knife and washed it in a small stream and then went back home. Harry still hasn't noticed. He loves me, and he tells me how happy he is that I'm finally pregnant. I'm not sorry. I have a better life. They haven't found the body yet, but I'm sure my sister has reported me missing by now. She was stupid, and that's not my fault. Her plan was stupid, and her decisions got her killed. She should have just listened to the things that she'd heard. Meeting your doppelganger is bad luck. Ooh, what a twist. You know how they say that there's at least seven other people that share the exact same face as you around the world? I think that's absolutely wild. And if anyone listening has actually met their own doppelganger, please send me an email. I want to know how it went. This next story comes from Brandy, who has a twin sister named Jessica. And while this story isn't necessarily about an evil doppelganger, it is still very creepy. And it sounds like poor Brandy herself can't figure out if what happened to her was true or not. Dear Sapphire, I cannot tell you for certain if this was a terrible dream or a very real nightmare, but it still haunts me to this day. When I was about five or six, I lived in an apartment complex with my mother, father, and two sisters. 
My sister Jessica and I were the youngest, being that we were born as twins, though thankfully not identical, as just being a twin is annoying enough. There were a few things similar about us, being siblings and all, and we shared an uncanny bond of twin telepathy that usually gave us the same thoughts and emotions, a kind of bond only twins understand. Our older sister, Courtney, was only our half-sister, and she only stayed with us on occasion as she lived with her grandmother. So in this two-bedroom apartment, our room was at the top of the stairs, and there were three beds. One single bed where Jessica slept, and a bunk bed with me on the bottom, and Courtney usually on top. Our parents' bedroom was at the end of the short hall, so they were usually only a call away if we needed something. The apartments were generally small, with only two bedrooms and one bath, but were more like townhouses, seeing how they had two floors. The rooms were spacious enough, for children of our sizes at least, and affordable for a sometimes family of five. Our mother didn't work at the time, and our father worked late into the night, so our mother liked to tell us stories to pass the time. Most of them were stories you'd expect to hear as a child, fairy tales with happy endings, princesses and towers waiting to be saved by their prince and all that jazz. One in particular she liked to tell us about, though, was Johnny. Johnny was a dark, evil spirit who would come into your home at night, the door closing heavily and his footsteps echoing while he chanted. I'm coming to the stairs. Once he made it there, he counted each individual step, getting faster and faster as he climbed, calling out your name. I'm on the first step. The less stairs you have, the less chance you have of escape, and the only way to do that is to climb back into bed as fast as you can, for he only takes the children who get out of bed at night when they're not supposed to. Courtney and Jessica had heard the story many times before, as had I, and they both laughed it off along with my mother. Who would believe that kind of thing, right? I did. I've always had a bit of a gullible nature, but as a child, I would believe just about anything, so long as it was convincing enough, so I always took precautions. If I had to get out of bed for any reason, I would do what I had to do quickly. Little did my sisters know that they shouldn't laugh it off. The night in question was one when Courtney was home with her grandmother, so it was just me, Jessica, and her mom. As usual, our mother tucked Jessica and I into bed around 7 or 8, wished us goodnight, and shut the door. Back then, it was always easy for me to fall asleep, so it wasn't long before I drifted off. It also wasn't long before I woke up. It wasn't unusual for me to wake up in the middle of the night, having to use the bathroom with my bladder as small as it was. My mind still foggy, I rolled over so I was facing the doorway and sat up on my elbows. Standing there, in the doorway and silhouetted by the nightlight in the hallway, was a figure... It spooked me at first, and that figure just standing there. But then I realized that small silhouetted thing was just Jessica. I sighed with relief, about to ask her why she was just standing there. When I felt her fear. I felt it before I saw the terrified look on her face. The look made me scared, too, but I wanted to help her. Maybe she just didn't want to go to the bathroom by herself, but didn't want to wake anyone up. I understood the feeling, so I got it from the bottom bunk with the intent to accompany her. She'd done it for me many times, but not without a bit of protest, of course, so the least I could do was return the favor, right? As soon as I stood all the way up, though, I heard it. I'm coming up the stairs. I froze, my little feet cold against the tiled floor. I wanted to believe it had just been my imagination, but then I heard it again. I'm coming up the stairs. 
It was the most terrifying thing I'd ever heard in my entire life. Worse than nails on a chalkboard or a blood-curdling scream. I'm coming up the stairs. That voice came rhythmically like a perfectly timed clock until we heard that first footfall heavy on the wood stairs behind my sister's back. And then came those dreaded words. Jessica, I'm on the first step. I felt my heart stop. It was Johnny. And he was coming for us. I wanted to scream for my mother down the hall, plead and cry for her to come help us, but I couldn't speak. I couldn't even move. It felt like something was weighing me down and constricting my throat, and I knew Jessica felt it too. It seems like ages before we heard him say, Jessica, I'm on the second step. And he kept coming. Slow at first, but steadily getting faster and faster. Third, fourth fifth, sixth, all bringing him closer to getting us. It wasn't until the tenth step that I noticed something. Why wasn't he saying my name too? I had gotten out of bed too. I had broken the rule about not getting out of bed. Wasn't I going to be taken? Why haven't I ever heard him before? Then I realized I wasn't out of bed when I wasn't supposed to be. I was just trying to help my sister, and I had always had a purpose for leaving with the intent of getting straight back in. I didn't know what Jessica had been doing, but she clearly hadn't had a purpose that night. It was on the twelfth step that I remembered our father had to be home by now. He had to be downstairs watching TV. He could save Jessica and get rid of this horrible monster. But the lights were off downstairs and I couldn't hear the TV. He'd already gone to bed. Jessica, I'm on the fifteenth step. We only had 20 steps on the staircase, and when I glanced over my shoulder, I could see the top of his dark head getting bigger and bigger with each step. Jessica, I'm almost there. I felt hopeless. Neither of us could move. Our parents were asleep, and my sister was about to be taken away forever. I felt the overwhelming urge to cry, when suddenly, I heard a noise from her. A whimper. Something in me snapped, and I could move again. I dove toward the door, lightning speed, grabbing my sister, and pulled her into the room just as he was about to reach the last step. I shoved her into her bed and jumped back into mine, cocooning myself in the safety of my covers. I'm not sure how long I stayed there, but eventually I heard a soft whisper over and over again. Brandy. 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 I knew it was him. I didn't want to, but... Ever so slowly, I peeked out from under the cover and looked at the doorway, just so I wouldn't have to hear him say my name anymore. There he was, almost completely black even in the light of the nightlight, as if he were made of darkness itself, with dirty brown clothes and white, soulless eyes somehow darker than he was, that I could feel on me and filling up the doorway with his impossible size. The tips of his filthy brown shoes were sitting on the very edge of the doorframe, and he was leaning slightly forward, like he wanted to come in, but some invisible force kept him from it. When our eyes met, he smiled with a grin darker than he was and said, I'll be back for her, turned around, and left. Still trembling from fright, I laid perfectly still and kept the covers around me and didn't dare move from that spot for the rest of the night. I must have fallen back asleep at some point because I woke the next morning to find Jessica sitting up in her bed with the covers around her legs, a haunted look on her face. I asked her about the night before and why she'd been out of bed. 
She looked at me, asked in return, What are you talking about? She got out of bed and went downstairs where our parents were making breakfast. She wouldn't even talk about it to our parents, who both thought I was making it up and let them continue to believe it was all just a bad dream I've had. To this day, even though we're both adults and out of Johnny's reach, whenever I ask her about it, she gives me the same response. But every now and again, I catch her looking worriedly at staircases. Your fan, Brandy. Thank you again, Brandy, for sharing that story with us. Um, I don't know if it helps, but I fully believe you. And I really hope that your family has come around, too. And now we have reached our final story for today. This one is also from the No Sleep subreddit. It's by username Love Lasagna, and it is simply titled Doppelganger. This happened a few years ago when I was in college. Our school wasn't big or well-known. It had two branches. The main one, where they taught kids from nursery to grade 6, was located beside the road, and the other, we called it Annex, was located two blocks from it. The Annex was where I studied. It had two buildings, one for high school, one for college. The high school department was packed with students. It was almost always noisy. Our building, on the other hand, was gloomy, and there were very few students, like only five to ten people in a class. If we were lucky, there were twenty. Our hallways were quiet. There were rooms that were never occupied. Since no one was using those rooms, the lights were off, and at night I found that really disturbing because I walked through dimly lit corridors while my footsteps echoed. I know our school didn't seem like what a school should be, but hey, my tuition was free. I was a scholar and only needed to maintain good grades, and the place was just 10 minutes from home. I had no reason to complain. Anyway, while I was waiting for my next class, I got bored of whatever I was doing and decided to go to the fourth floor. As I was walking up the stairs, I saw my English teacher wearing an orange outfit. I stopped and smiled at her. Good afternoon, ma'am. I expected her to reply, but she didn't. She didn't even smile or acknowledge me. She just continued walking, down the stairs. She passed by me without sparing a glance. I became worried. Maybe she was angry at me? But what for? I hadn't done anything bad to her. I decided to try and catch her attention again. Ma'am, are you okay? No response. It was like she didn't hear me. I frowned. She didn't seem like herself. Weird. But that wasn't weird enough to keep me thinking, so I just shrugged it off and thought of other stuff. When I passed by the faculty room, I heard a familiar voice. It was so loud and clear, there was no way I could have mistaken it. It was the voice of my English teacher. So I went into the faculty room and found my English teacher behind a desk, telling some random story to my classmate who sat directly in front of her. When she saw me, she smiled and greeted me. You could imagine my confusion at this point. I just saw her a few minutes ago. How was she here? Ma'am, did you go downstairs a while ago? She seemed surprised with the question, but answered anyway. No, why do you ask? My mind was thinking for a logical explanation, but couldn't find any. Um, I just saw you a few minutes ago. You were taking the stairs. I greeted you, but you ignored me. She frowned. I've been here the whole time. Oh, okay. That's weird. 
I could have sworn I saw you. This time, my classmate spoke up. We've been here for half an hour at least. Nobody left this room. That was when I noticed her clothes. The teacher I saw at the stairs was wearing an orange outfit. The one in front of me was wearing brown. A sense of dread surged through me. I asked the most obvious question. Then who was the woman I saw? But then I knew the answer to that myself. I had heard stories about these creatures. I had just never thought I'd encounter one. And in broad daylight, a doppelganger. This creature copies a person's appearance, and it's said that once you see your doppelganger, you'll die. I don't know if it's true. I don't ever want to find out. My teacher freaked out, and we spent the afternoon waiting for the fake English teacher to show up, but it never did. Pretty soon, this little incident was forgotten, and I thought that was the last time I'd encounter something like that. However, my English teacher started acting strange after that, speaking very rarely and mainly keeping to herself. We all thought the whole thing freaked her out, so we let her be. We should have been more concerned. The next incident happened a few months after the first. Again, I saw a nursery teacher standing by the utility closet. Let's call her Teacher Marie. It was pretty late already, so I was wondering why she was still at school, so I called her. She didn't respond. She didn't even seem to hear me. I called again. Nope, I was invisible. I figured she was just tired and wasn't in the mood to have a chat. I went inside the library and saw Hannah. She was an assistant teacher who used to be a college acquaintance and was close friends with Teacher Marie. I casually approached her and asked, Hey, I saw Teacher Marie at the utility closet. Is she waiting for you so that you two can go home together? She seems tired and I think she'll appreciate it if you hurry. She raised an eyebrow. Really? I thought she went home already. Then she gathered her things and exited the library. A few minutes later, she returned. She's not there, she said. Oh, maybe she got tired of waiting and left. No, Kath, she was never there. I frowned and closed the book I was planning to read. What do you mean she was never there? I saw her. Ask the janitor. I already did. He didn't see Teacher Marie. Are you sure it was her? Her face was dead serious. I'm sure, I said. It was definitely her. I called her, but she never looked back. Shit, she cursed. You're scaring me. She picked up her phone, dialed Teacher Marie's number, and told her what I saw. It was a brief conversation that ended with, Be careful. Teacher Marie didn't show up for a whole week. Then finally, she was back in class, but something was different about her. She spoke rarely, just like my English teacher. These doppelgangers must have been really freaking people out. Or maybe they were replacing them. I tried to shake the idea as I continued on with school. Days went by. I hadn't seen a doppelganger again, and I assumed that was the end of it. I wasn't really that scared, but it didn't mean I was eager to repeat the experience. Still, I couldn't shake the feeling that the teachers were replaced with a doppelganger somehow. It was really starting to freak me out. One afternoon, a classmate of mine approached me and said, Whoa, how did you get here so fast? Naturally, I was confused. What do you mean? I asked. Well, I saw you at the other end of the building a few minutes ago. Come to think of it, you seemed a little off. I called you several times, but you just ignored me. Is anything wrong? 
I froze. I felt my heartbeat accelerate. Tina, I said slowly. I've been here since lunchtime. The person you saw isn't me. She shook her head. No, it was definitely you. You got the same hair and everything. My blood ran cold. I swear, it wasn't me. Her mouth hung open. Then who? She stopped right there. She didn't need to ask. She knew the answer already. She heard stories about the creature that went around copying people's faces and the horror that would befall in the ones who unfortunately laid eyes on it. Now is my turn. I'm hiding back home now. Got a baseball bat ready. I don't want to be replaced like my teachers. I won't let this thing get to me. How many more people were replaced that I hadn't even realized? In the school, in the whole town. I can't trust anyone. I have to remain hidden. And if anyone tries to open my front door, I'll bash their goddamn skull in. If you'd like to submit a story, send an email to somethingscary@snarled.com. This podcast is also available in video form at youtube.com/snarled. Until next time, sweet dreams.